0: I'm so excited to get to share something. I've been camping out in a certain book here that I'm going to share from for since all summer. It's just been the Lord's been speaking to me about little, even just one word or two words from this particular book all summer, and so I'm going to share a portion of it here, uh, but let's pray. Let's ask God to help us here. So, Father, we thank you, God, for this wonderful time we have together tonight Thank you for your word. Lord, it's living, and it's active, and it's sharp. God, it speaks to us even today. It crosses all generations. It crosses ages and cultures and all demographics. It crosses all borders. Lord, it's truth, and we thank you, God, for it. Speak to us today. Let us hear. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us as a church today, as individuals, as families. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a number of changes happening in my house, and some of them seem slight, but when you realize what's happening, you realize there's no going back. So say that with me. There's no going back. My son, Easton, is in, these are my kids here, and my wonderful wife here, and this is our 20th year of marriage, and all of our... My son Easton uh, just keeps getting taller. He's him and him and Emmeline are uh, uh, comparing tape measures, and you know they tip their hands a little bit more when the other one. You know, anybody had kids, you know, you kind of put the hand there against the wall and you run the tape measure. And theirs kind of gets angled. They want to be taller than each other. We got some transitions happening in our house. My son, Elian's right down there. He's 10, and we've been working out on the property, and he walked by me you know, while we were working there, and I was kind of like, all right, son, it's time to start wearing deodorant. Anybody had one of those? You know, it's your, it's your son or your daughter, and you're like, okay, it's time. Those days are gone. New days are ahead. And there's no going back. You said praise the Lord like you knew before me. But I mean, that's that's what it is. There's uh, transitions and changes that are happening. My son Easton started shaving at Christmas time, and uh, it, it was it was time. I was tired of looking at all that on his face, the sun. It's gotta it's gotta come off. It's a it's a wrestling match every time to get him to to do that again. But hey, we got transitions happening in my house. You're familiar with transitions. There's leaves changing at my house, changing colors. Anybody have a few of those? My driveway is getting littered already. I'm not looking forward to cleaning all that up out of the yard. I want to share with you tonight on transition. We're all familiar with that, even though it's not really something we enjoy. We certainly don't look forward to some transitions, especially those that come at us suddenly, and we come to the realization that there is no going back to what it used to be. That's a hard thing sometimes. Some transitions, we can see them coming at us. Like, did you see the dust on top of Pioneer Friday morning? All right, well, there it is. You can kind of see something's happening. In 2011, I was playing a game out on the field at our church there in Maui, and I was running quite swiftly, swifter than I could run today, and I had jumped up in the air as high as I could as a part of this dodgeball game that we were playing, and when I came down, my knee came apart. My foot went one way, my knee went the other way, and for 18 months, there was no going back. Couldn't walk, broke bones, tore everything you can tear, or almost tore it took 18 months. Suddenly there was a transition that had to happen at our house. I had to have help doing everything. Our my ministry changed at that point. I had to start being the main delegator and just tell people, "I'm going to sit right here and you're going to go do whatever it is I tell you to do." And that's what it's going to be. It's your moment to rise up. It was a it was a great transition for them. They got to rise up in ministry. It was a very challenging transition for my family. They would wheel me around the neighborhood. They would lock me in my room when it was time for the pain medication because I didn't know who I was. And and they would help me. I had to have help doing everything. It was very challenging. And so uh, a few more things I wanted to reference in terms of transitions in ministry because our church If you can't tell, we're in the midst of major transition as a church. From small little things to big things, we're going to be transitioning to a new building. But we're not waiting until then. There's things already happening. The Lord is putting some things in process, and it's happened. It's 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 not an uncommon thing for a church or a body of believers to go through the transition periods together. That's kind of a normal thing, and especially the longer you're a part of King's Cathedral and chapels, you'll realize there's changes all the time that happen, and we just keep on down the road. Uh, We, in 2003, we voted to buy a shopping center in Oahu as a church, and that was very strange at the time, and what we didn't realize that we had voted to do was to take on a monthly mortgage payment of $187,000. Imagine that bill coming in the mail every month for years until we finally got some changes happening in the, in the rate. And, but still, you can imagine what that did to how we operated on a monthly basis. Everything in our church got changed right then. We started sending staff over to Oahu from Maui to Oahu and it left holes in our Sunday morning program and and we had to fill in with different things. New people had to start doing new things and it was a big transition that took place. And we voted for that. Sign us up. Please, sign me up. My supervisor, when I started this is our 19th year working with our church here. And when I started, I worked for a supervisor, his my, my mentor and my supervisor. His name was Pastor Brian Reynolds. He's now the pastor in Oregon. But I worked for him for six years, and it was a challenging years. And I served him, and that was my job. And then Dr. Morocco moved him to that very Oahu project, and he became the one of the main pastors over there, and the transition it went, us, that we went through was very challenging. All of a sudden, who I'm used to going and getting instructions, corrections, and admonishments and encouragements from is not there anymore. It was like I lost a family member. I was I felt lost sometimes. I was felt so out of place. There was so much unknown. Okay, what do I do? Now what do I do? You ever felt like that when you're in the midst of some changes? You're like, okay, now what? Okay, how do we live now when there's some sudden changes like that? I was used to having him there when we did our big events. We'd done several big events. There's thousands of people that show up at an egg hunt or a, you know, some street parties, and he's always standing on the side helping me if I'm about to make a mistake or something. And I remember the first time we went to the, you know, our our. our run of Easter egg hunts, we did about six or seven a year, and thousands of people come, and he's not standing on the side. That was kind of different. Had, to, had some, some changing to go through personally. I want to look at an interesting transition in the Bible. You know, that takes place all throughout the Bible. And by transition, I mean moving from one state to another. So let's talk about a few of those. You can imagine what kind of transition or what kind of, you know, adaptation Noah and his family had to go through after the flood was over and they walk out and there's nothing there. Okay, now what do we do? This is different. We haven't done this before. Okay, well, we only have so many animals to choose from. Um, You know, the fruit trees, are there any fruit trees? So you also want, you want to look at Abraham. He left, he left where he was comfortable living. God spoke to him and just said, just follow me. Didn't even tell him where he was going. Just up and left. You can see that the transition for the Israelites. I preached a few weeks ago about some of the walking through they had to go through and learning to serve God as opposed to living in Egypt. Major transitions took place in their lives as a result of them moving from Egypt to Canaan. And they didn't always hit a home run on their responses to those. And so I want to look at a few more. Paul, his name was Saul. And he goes through this amazing transformation encounter with Jesus, but he still has to go through a transition with the people around him. He got rejected. He had this amazing encounter with Jesus. And then the the people that he was supposed to work with rejected him. And he had to go through a series of steps transitioning. And I want to encourage you today from the book of Ruth. So would you take your Bible and look at Ruth. And I want to look at just a few things about this wonderful lady named Ruth that speaks to us today as a church and some of the transitions that we're going through as a church. Because they affect you at home. They affect you in the car. They affect you in ministry. The transitions that are happening and how you respond to them affect you uh, in your life group. And so I want to take a look at a few things about Ruth. Book of Ruth chapter 1 says... At this, oh, we're in verse 14. Sorry, Ruth 1, 14. I'm just going to read a small passage, and then I'm going to reference a few more pieces of the story. It says, At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. So just to give you a little bit of a story here, Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law, and Naomi had moved to the country of Moab with her husband, Elimelech. And then Elimelech dies. But Ruth and her, her sister, Orpah, had married not her sister okay Ruth and Orpah married Naomi's two sons and they ended up dying so here's Naomi having a really bad decade she loses her husband loses her sons and she's got her daughter-in-laws who are from Moab and that's all she's got left so she up and decides she's going to go back to Bethlehem where she's from where her husband's family is from so she's got quite a journey to go, and they started packing, and then she urged Ruth and Orpa, please just stay here. There is nothing for you to come to. I have nothing left to give you, and even if I had some sons right now, are you really going to wait around to marry them? I mean, that's like forever. So she really urges them to stay in Moab and serve their gods and live life in your familiarity and where you're from. And then we have this passage of Scripture. And I want to look at just a few things here about this passage that affect us today in terms of where our church is and where we're going. Because we are going somewhere. We are going on the hill. We are going to touch this valley, touch this state, and impact our nation. We are going to multiply life groups and ministries and multiply ministers and pastors. We are going to go do that. And it's a journey along the way to get there. So let's take a look at a few things about the, some simple things from this story of Ruth for us to take home and just to, to chew on and think about how it applies to us. The first thing is I want to point out is not everybody goes along on the journey. So here you've got Orpah. And here's this huge transition, and she decides to go back, but Ruth decides to go on. Real simple look that not everybody is in for the ride. Some people can't handle all of the changes that come along with transition. Transition is really uncomfortable. Okay? So it's one of the reasons we avoid it so much is because some of the effects it creates In our personal life, in our family, has anybody ever moved? You packed up your house. And about three-fourths of the way, you say this, where did I get all this stuff? Why don't we just burn it all and start all over? We moved from Maui to Oregon across an ocean And it was so challenging for me to try to prep our house to rent to somebody and pack with my kids who were much younger then. It was like one step forward, three steps back. I gotta clean up another mess. Oh, that's the wrong box. Kella tipped it over. What a joy, right? In fact, it was so frustrating for me as the the driver of the family. I packed them all up and shipped them to Kimmy's mom's house. Months so that I could just finish. In a nice, kind, sweet. Wouldn't you like to visit Grandma (laughs) Way? Transition brings about unknown costs. There are there are um, great mysterious costs that just show up in the midst of transition. Uncertain outcomes, uncertainty really makes us fearful to choose something. Changes. Oh it break transition breaks our rhythms. We just finished this uh, men's camp at my house at my property. What a wonderful event it was. It was so great. And so I had skipped a few of my rest days that are my normal, which is Thursday. I skipped a few of those to get my property ready and have it all ready. And I had in my mind that I was going to take the next Monday and Tuesday off. Lo and behold, I'm at the men's camp, and Pastor Daniel corners me and says, Hey, guess what? You're needed out on the property. So I went straight from the men's camp out onto the property, and its I've never looked back since. I've been out there ever since. I didn't know I was uh, going to be the foreman holding the beeper. I finally stopped having nightmares from the beeper last night. But it breaks our rhythm. Transition breaks our rhythm. I had to transition into construction crew. And I love to, to labor. I love to, to use my muscles and my hands and my feet. I love to work like that. But the effects that it created in our office and our staff meetings, Pastor Daniel sent out a thing. No longer, we're, we're all construction workers this week. Get out there. All right, so we were out there. It broke up our rhythms as a staff. I missed emails. I missed text messages. I can't hear my phone going off because all I can hear is, dee, 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 dee. all right, this is good. Let's move on. Dee, 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 dee. No, it's low over here. Come bring me some more dirt. Do, do, do. Turn it off. Turn it off. Do you know what I'm talking about? That little laser level thing that beeps at you? That, that may be why nobody came back from styrofoam to do dirt. It wasn't the weight and the backache and the arms. It was the beeper. That's what it was. All is forgiven. Except for Minister Gill. Actually, Minister Gil finished strong. He helped me do work, dirt work all the way to the end. Thank you so much. It, it, transition has an emotional cost to it. It gets frustrating in transition. Uh, some t- transition that's thrust upon us, that's like we don't really have any options, some, you know, sometimes ugliness comes out of us in the midst of it. We respond poorly sometimes. Maybe we respond sour. Sometimes, when something happens that's out of our control, we're in a minutes of a transition, and what comes out of us really reveals what's on the inside of us, and it can be ugly sometimes. We don't li- really like changes, and so when they're forced upon us, especially those where we have this thought go through our mind, I didn't choose this, or I didn't get a voice in this, what comes out of us after that gets, can tend to be really sour, there's physical cost to transition. The effects of new. If you've ever moved to a new city or town, it's just like, all right, where's the post office? I need to get some, where do I get, where do I buy food at? Is that restaurant any good? I don't know. Looks sketchy. There's all these new things that come along with transition. My family went through a, a great transition time and uh, my we were my wife was pregnant with Ikela right here. He's our miracle boy. If you don't know, I'll just briefly share with you. My wife was put on bed rest how many months? How many? 20 months? Two years? Oh, wait, that's what it felt like. She was put on uh, bed rest for two months, and uh, the doctor basically told her, if you get up and move around, you could lose the baby, and, and you, you could die too. If you want to keep this baby, you better take it serious. Well, we already had three kids. And at the same time, Dr. Morocco had doubled my workload at the church. And I had enrolled in four college classes all at the same time. What a wonderful transition that was into the role of mom dad, Mr. Mom. Man, I did whatever it took to get through that very challenging time. I didn't sign up for that. I would never sign up for something like that. I was up at five making peanut butter and jellies to get my kids to school. Then I got to get them up, get them dressed. And if you've tried to get my son Easton up, you know it's a challenge all on its own. Anybody have one of those kids at your house? Okay. Emma, you say her name a couple times. She pops up, rubs her eyes, and she's like, ready for she's moving on so I was up making peanut butter jellies packing the lunches then I get the kids up got to get them ready get them ready I drive to school I drop them off at school I go do my ministry which got doubled so now I'm doing two major ministries I'm running children's ministry and media in our church in Maui and so the kids get out of school at what was it two or three? Two? Two. they got out at two so I would pick them up go home start on dinner get them going on homework I've still got four college classes in there somewhere. And so then after I'd get them done, and kids get baths, I gotta do baths, okay. Then then I would do my college classes late at night. And then I would get up and repeat the next day. For a couple months till Kelly's born, all of our kids were C-sections, so it's not a quick recovery. Okay, so we got a recovery time to go through, and with a baby. Woo, huh. What a moment where thrust upon us was a major transition, and uh, I wouldn't sign up for that. Don't pray for that one. But it, it's the, the effects of transition. It makes it hard for us. We avoid it in that, in that way. So here you have Orpa and Ruth, and Orpah stays behind. I don't want any of that. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what lies ahead. So I'm choosing safe and comfortable. There are many times when we follow the Lord, you don't see the destination at the end. You have to choose in faith. And we're going to get to Ruth's choices here. Let's take a look at this. So let's take a look at uh, the next thing. Verse 16, Ruth made a commitment... To the unknown, verse 16, it says, Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. So Ruth, in her initial statement before they set off, makes this commitment. I have no idea where we're going and what lies ahead, but I'm all in. I'm going to be committed. You just show me, and whatever it is, I'm there. I'm all in. What a commitment from Ruth. The next thing I want to point out, not only does Ruth go without Orpah, she makes a commitment to the unknown, but let's look at verse 16 and 17. So again, your people will be my people, your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Okay, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates me, you and me. is Ruth left Moab behind, what an important statement in transition. Please don't miss this. Orpah went back to Moab. Ruth leaves Moab in the rear view mirror never to go back again. And she She leaves behind any family she would have known, mother, father, any siblings, friends, routine, what was familiar. She leaves it behind, and she takes on the unknown of serving a God who wasn't her family's God and her country's God, and she makes this commitment that to the death. This is who I am becoming. This is what I'm going to be. I'm choosing today to be something and leave behind who I used to be and commitment. And I'm making a commitment all the way to the end. I am going to serve your God. This is who I'm going to be and become. I'm with you to the end. She leaves behind Moab. There are transitions God be- brings in our life in an effort to get us to leave behind things that we used to be. This is not a fun way for God to do it, but it is what happens many times in the midst of transition in our personal life, family, even as a church. Some of the way we used to do things has to go. Some of the ways we used to function, are, you know, some of the ways we used to operate, or use whatever phrases you want to use, Some of God's intentions are for us to shed what used to be, things that are not productive. Maybe patterns or sinful things in our life that were going to condemn us to hell forever. God will put us through a transition to maybe see how futile they are and let us see you have a choice before you of leaving it in the past and serving him for a lifetime. And he puts us through sometimes some rugged transitions to bring that about. And we have the choice of Orpah and Ruth. Which one are we going to do? The same thing happens to us as a church, and we stand at the precipice of a lot of those decisions. And if you've ever happened to have gotten to sit in our staff meetings, you see that we are undergoing choices of transitions and weighing outcomes of what some of those transitions will be and coming up with uh, the best decisions we can that move us forward as a church to what God's intentions are, and some of them are, as a church, we're leaving Moab in the rearview mirror. So in our personal life, in our family, even as a church, there are moments you have to say, oh, that, that's what it used to be. I'm moving on to the end. This is who we're becoming and who we're going to be. She leaves behind Moab's ways, their gods, the familiar. She followed after the living God. Let's look at the next one. This is my favorite one. I want to look at three different verses, and a couple of them aren't, weren't in our original passage. I just want to look at this with you here. It says verse, verse 16 again. So this is a really important statement that Ruth is making, and we're drawing a lot of distinct, different statements from what she's saying Okay, so again, your people be my people, your God my God. Okay, now jump over to chapter 2, verse 11. Before we read this, let me tell you what's happened if you're not familiar with the book of Ruth. So she up and decides one day, just random, she didn't have dreams and revelations and an angel telling her what to do. She didn't fast and pray for six weeks to get a word from God. She just up and decided to make action because they needed some food in the house so she decides and she talks to Naomi, hey, I'm just going to go out and look for anybody that will let me you know, pick up some leftovers from the barley harvest that's taking place. And the Bible says, as it turned out, she ended up in the field of, her, of Naomi's relative. His name was Boaz. Boaz happens to show up on the day she shows up. And he says to his workers, hey, who's that over there? Obviously, she stuck out. There's somebody different over there, and it was obvious she was a foreigner. She's not from Israel. Hey, who's that over there? And then he engages and meets her, and we have this response from Boaz. And I hope you hear these next two verses here. So look at verse 11. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, I want you to look at chapter 3, verse same verse, 11. This is Boaz responding to Ruth in a different engagement. And says, and now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. How do these three verses tie together? The the third thing we, the fourth thing we notice about Ruth's journey of transition here is she lived by faith in the living God, not knowing she was building favor. And by her acts of faith and her steps of faith, she was building a destiny for herself she never saw coming. And these references I read about what Boaz knew about her and then what all the fellow townsmen knew about her shows you what her character was like all throughout the transition. This is such an important facet of transition. So let me point out a few things that that I want you to hear and myself to hear. First of all, it speaks of her attitude during the transition time. That she put her faith and her hope and her trust in the living God and didn't have the attitude of Naomi. Naomi's attitude was, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, Mara. Because it means bitter, the Lord. She blamed the Lord for all this that had happened. But you don't hear that from Ruth. She kept her character and her attitude high. She operated in faith. You know what keeps us from operating in faith? Is we don't know if it's worth the investment of our time and effort. That really hangs us up from obeying God a lot of times because God doesn't tell what he's going to do if we obey him. He gives us insight from the word, promises of what his response will be. But on the day-to-day things of walking in integrity and character and operating in faith, God doesn't tell you what the end result will be. He just wants you to operate in faith. And we see Ruth doing that All along this journey, I'm going to follow your God. And then we find out from Boaz that everything she'd done had been told to him. She didn't know that. Please hear me today on this beautiful weather, Labor Day weekend. You may be operating in faith, wondering if anybody knows what you're doing. You may be tempted to toot your own horn about things you've done for the Lord. And you want other people to celebrate what you've done for God. If they do, you just got your reward. That's what the Sermon on the Mount makes very clear. That if you're wanting people to acknowledge what you've done, you just got your reward. Jesus makes it clear in that same sermon, operate like Ruth. Just operate in faith. And when the time is right, He will unveil what you've been doing for him. And then all of a sudden, can you imagine Ruth standing there? I didn't know anybody knew what I had done. And here she had the whole time. How would the whole townsfolk know she was a woman of noble character? It took time. It took time for her to leave Moab get to Bethlehem, and then all the fellow townsmen know she's a woman of noble character. There's an element of letting what you've done in faith, letting God work it, and letting it work on your behalf without you shouting and telling everybody what it is. That is operating in faith. Ruth had great faith, and in the transition, her faith was seen most. In, in leaving behind what she was, going to a new life, her faith. She didn't know she was building a legacy in the town. She was just operating in faith. She didn't realize that at some point somebody's going to tell Boaz everything that she's done. And it's going to open up the door for her to have honor and favor and provision. Did you know that her son's name was Obed? Who is Obed? His son's name was Jesse, and his son was named David. Amazing. Now, since we're on this same point, imagine her response in the non-supernatural way of transition. Boaz would have never been told all the great things she's done. He would have been told, you know what, she complained every step of the way. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Boaz walking up to Ruth and going, you know, I'd like to do a lot for you, but you've complained every step of the way. You didn't help nobody. You only looked after yourself. You're still serving your gods from Moab. Sorry, you'll have to go find another field to glean in. All these fellow townsmen don't want you around because they know you're not a person of noble character. It was all in her responses to every challenge that came along in the transition. Pretend that you're now Ruth. What is Boaz going to say about the transitions you're walking through? I can tell you what I want said about me, my family, and my church. About this church. I want to hear the response of Boaz and all the fellow townsmen. I'm going to operate in faith. I'm going to build... just, uh, just like something from this week, I'll just give you a great example. We're out there on the church property, and there are other contractors out there. This week, where there was some electrical guys out there, and there was some uh, concrete guys were out there, and they might even be watching online. And there was some plumbing guys that were out there, and I don't know who's who. But I'm going to choose. I'm singing praises out there between shovel scoops. I walk out in the morning. Yesterday morning was really funny. But I walk out in the morning. My kids were with me. And I'm praying over the property. And we gather in prayer as a team. And I'm being really loud so the other contractors can hear me. And my voice can get really loud. I'm building a legacy among all the fellow townspeople. It's Ruth in action. Same thing, you know, along with what uh, Reverend Barry so wonderfully preached this morning on the job. You're operating in faith, whether you own a business or you work for somebody else or whatever it might be, you're building the moment somebody's going to say what you're alike. And Boaz is going to report. I've been told. The day is coming. Those of you that have taken great steps of faith, and you maybe think you don't, maybe maybe God doesn't even know. Maybe you feel like he's ignored what you've done, or maybe it's forgotten. The book of Hebrews clearly declares in Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget the love you have shown him. By serving his people and continuing to serve them. At the right time, Boaz will be told all that you've done. What a great transition Ruth went through. If Ruth was standing here, what would she she say to us? Here's these things. And I don't know who's playing something, but if somebody could play something besides that drum... Maybe something filling. What would Ruth say to us? The first thing Ruth would say to us about triumphant transition. There can be destructive transition without the right approach and operation and attitude. She had triumphant transition. She's the ancestor of Jesus. She's in the family line of Jesus. What would she say to us about triumphant transition? Well, I believe the first thing she would say to us is, God can't move us into our destiny without transition along the way. So let the transitions come. The second thing, and this is one of my personal mottos for life. Attitude is the difference in an adventure and an ordeal. An ordeal is something you don't want to do. An adventure is something that's, there's something brand new around every corner. The difference is our attitude. I believe the third thing she would say to us is leave Moab behind. Let go of the things the sin that so easily entangles. Let go of all of the wonderings and the why me's and the, all the things that would keep you in Moab. Don't be Orpah. Don't go back. And then lastly, make declaration of God's great wisdom, of His perfect ways and His good intentions. Is he good? Are his ways good? Are his thoughts good? Are his intentions good? Yes, they are. And we can throw all of our hope into them. We can throw all of our confidence into them, especially during transition. My family, it just feels like it's been 19 years, 20 years of transitions, right? it felt like that? I get up in the morning and I declare, I'm walking around here at six o'clock in the morning and there's many times I don't feel very confident in what I see happening, but I am verbally declaring, God, you have all wisdom and you're orchestrating good and your intentions are good and the way you work is perfect. And I don't have it all figured out, but I'm willing to go through the transitions along the way. Would you stand with me? And let's pray. You may need to make that that declaration today. God, you have wisdom, the same wisdom. Let me pray over you. I'm going to pray over you right now, God's wisdom. Father, I thank you, Lord. I'm reminded even right now that you created things too wonderful for us to understand. That through decades and decades of scientists trying to unlock the mysteries of life, You can create things in one day with one word that are beyond our comprehension that are full of wisdom. They reflect your wisdom. The stars, the sun, the moon, the the earth and how all of the, the, the heavenly bodies work together, Lord, how our body can heal itself. How this earth sits at a It sits at just the right axis to create these beautiful seasons. It's your wisdom. That same wisdom is available to us in our circumstances. And by your wisdom, you're orchestrating transitions in our life and in our family. It's your wisdom at work mining out what is best for us Lord, I just speak prophetically over this congregation and over those watching online that your wisdom is at work in their life. You're doing much more than they can see you doing and that every tight squeeze and uncomfortable feeling of transition as an individual and family and especially us as a body of believers is happening according to the wisdom of God. That same wisdom that created all things. The amazing wisdom of God. We thank you, Lord. We're going to take time to pray even right now. I'm going to pray again for us. You may be going through some transitions. And maybe some of the things I mentioned about changes. And maybe you're feeling some of those things. The unknown cost. The uncertain outcomes, the breaking of your rhythm of routines. Lord, help us. Maybe you're really having to pay some emotional costs to some transitions that you don't quite understand. Maybe it's, hit, maybe it's affecting you physically. Maybe just the effects of doing things new or being in a new place is seeming overwhelming. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray right now for every person that is feeling all these effects or even just one of them of transition that you have working in our life and even as a church maybe they're feeling the effects of our church operating in different ways and changing things up just to try to make the building work for us and patiently waiting for the new bit Lord, all the things that create tension in our life I pray tremendous grace I pray, oh God, the attitude and the legacy of Ruth would stand out that in the midst of a hard transition, she built a reputation. She was building honor, and she didn't even know it by her responses, by her operating in faith, taking on the new. Lord, help us to keep in mind. Lord, remind us daily of the decision of Orpah to leave behind. She left behind things she didn't even know were laid out for her. She chose to walk backwards. Help us, oh God, not to be a people that walk backwards when the transition seems uncertain. Lord, I pray for all those that are undergoing family challenges like what I communicated with has happened several times in our family. Lord, help. Strengthen. I pray for dreams and visions and revelation of what you're doing and how you're working. Even if it seems like you're not doing anything, God, you're doing more than we can comprehend you're doing. Lord, would you help? I pray for encouragement to be, I pray for faith to be released. Release faith even right now. The faith of Ruth. Oh, God, help us to be like. Well, let's take a moment. I'm going to ask Minister Gill. Minister Gill, you left serving here. You went to Eagle River, and you've gone through transition there. But you're going to pray for us. Would you come? You're going to pray for us as a body of believers. We're not at our noon building yet, and there's new shiftings and things taking place. We have a new season coming up of life groups and and ministries, and there's new things coming up like Radial moms, radiant moms, there's new, there's new um, expressions of KSM, it's so amazing. And those are wonderful things. There's also some trimming that's taken place. Not everybody goes along for the journey. And then there's new things along the way that are going to take place. Don't even see them yet. But you're going to pray for us as a corporate body, as a church, as Casey, Alaska, that we could take head-on the transitions and the faith of Ruth.
1: Father, thank you, Lord, that we get to grow, Lord, that we get to move forward, that we get to, Lord, go to the place that you have called us, Lord. And I pray, God, for a supernatural grace to come upon every single one of us, Lord, as we take these steps of faith, God, that we would open ourselves up that we would open our hearts up, that we would let go of those things, God, even the ones that you are asking us to let go, to move into the promised land. Lord, that the things that we love and we cherish, God, that we would put it up, Lord, as a sacrifice to you. If they are needed to go, Lord, that they be, they be let go. Help us, God, I pray. We give you thanks, Lord that you are with us in all the steps, God, that you will bless us, that you would open the doors, that you will make a way in every single step of the way, Lord. And when we walk out in faith, Lord, we will never be let down. We will never be disappointed, God, because you are faithful. You are faithful, Lord, to fulfill every single one of your promises to us, Lord. Everything that you have, that you lead us through, Lord, you bless us, and there's an increase that comes with the blessing of the Lord. And we worship you, Lord, and we give you thanks for the grace that you're giving this house, every single one of us, Lord, as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Minister Micah, come on, let's sing together,
0: Minister Micah. And I won't go back, and can and change me. Oh, what a great verse.
1: What a great song. I won't go back. I can't go back into the way you used to be before
0: your presence came and changed me. One more time. Come on, let's sing. Make it a declaration.
1: I will We're
0: leaving back. Moab in I the can't rearview go mirror. back to the way it used to be before Came and changed me. I won't go
1: back. I won't go back. You can't go back until the way it used to be before your presence came and changed me.
0: In the last moment together here, for those of you that are here and maybe you're watching online, maybe you need to be like Ruth and leave behind your old life starts by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior the greatest transition that can ever happen in your life is to pass from death to life see you're dead on the inside hollow and empty searching for things to make you feel alive even if it's just for a brief moment so we participate in things or take on things or practice things that will try to make us feel alive on the inside and you got to keep doing those things but Jesus made it clear that if you'll put all your faith and your hope in him and receive him as your Lord and Savior he gives life that is truly life abundant life if you haven't received him or maybe you don't remember if you've received Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior you would know if you did See, I was eight years old, and I've said this a thousand times. I was eight years old sitting in a kid's church service when I really decided to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. And I remember, I even remember what I had on, what kind, what I was wearing, because it really happened. Something really happened inside me. Jesus came in my life. If you don't have a memory like that of, of when you gave Jesus your life, then... You may, maybe all you did was say some religious words and hope they work on Judgment Day. You need to receive Jesus. You need the life that is truly life. You're living in Moab, and there's so much more available for you. There's destiny and blessing and honor and prosperity and provision and protection. The life of Ruth is available to all who surrender and leave behind that old life and take on the new life of serving Jesus. This evening, I'm going to take time to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Those of you that are online, now is your moment to receive Jesus, to genuinely proclaim that that your faith and your hope is in Him, that you believe in your heart and you're going to say with your mouth that you believe that, God sent Jesus to take your place on the cross. That he died for your sins and he paid your price. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. Securing your place in eternity. He has the keys to death and hell and the grave. And you need to proclaim that. You need to believe it on the inside. And make it an expression of your life verbally. And what your life is about. That is is the transition that Ruth made to start things off. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. The greatest transition you could ever make in your life. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me this evening. And I'd sure like to know who I'm praying for, but I can't see anyone, because these lights are like right in my face. So I'm just gonna take time. If you wanna pray with me, I'm gonna ask you to, now they're like changing. Maybe my glasses are tinting in the bright lights or something. (laughs) Let's take time and pray together. If you're online or maybe you're listening to the podcast at a later time or even right now, Facebook Live or YouTube, you're watching us, would you pray with me? And let's leave Moab behind. Come on, why don't you just say this right out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I choose today to make Jesus... My Lord and Savior, I leave behind my old life. And I choose today to serve you. You be my God. I'll follow you to the very end. I say with my mouth what I believe in my heart. That Jesus died for me. He paid the price for my sins. He rose from the dead, and he's made a way for me to go to heaven with him for eternity. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer and for loving me. In your name I pray, amen. Man, I felt the Holy Ghost right then in that prayer. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. I won't go back. I want to encourage you in the midst of transitions to get a word from God and remember the difference in Orpah and Ruth and everything that God had lined up for Ruth because she kept going in the transition. Don't be Orpah. Have the faith of Ruth. Praise the Lord. I hope you heard from the Lord from the book of Ruth. There's so much in that book. I want to encourage you to read the whole book. Read it every day this week. Let God speak to you. Praise the Lord. Enjoy your Labor Day tomorrow if you get to be off. If you don't, enjoy a different day off. Praise the Lord.